turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Difference Makers right here on True Talk 800. My name is Mike Lee. I'm the director of local ministries. I'm also the one that you could talk to if you'd like to find out more information on the Experience Israel trip coming up. You can actually get a discount for your group. You can ask me all about that or maybe having a booth at Fish Fest or Reventone coming up later this year or at some of the concerts that our sister station, The Fish, will be hosting, including Big Daddy Weave and Sidewalk Profits. More information, just email me, Mike Lee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. The delightful Clark Hilton is across the glass. And in the studio today, I'm very thankful to have a lovely couple who God has seen through a lot. Inspirational and motivational speaker, Gordon Vigiano, and his wife, author Jill Krantz Vigiano. So welcome and thanks for coming to Difference Makers. How are you both today? Great. Great. Thanks for having us. It's a real neat thing to have you here in person after hearing about you from my pal, John Canorn's child, Garden Samurai, who's on Saturdays at noon right here on True Talk, because you have a story that needs to be shared. Basically, God sees us through things, and perhaps they're not always the way that we would have written our chapters, but in a lot of circumstances, it's to give him more glory and let him really shine through and prove things about ourselves. Maybe we weren't prepared to understand. And maybe we're not going to understand these things on this earth, but it's okay. So I'm going to start off with you, Gordon. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about the book that your wife has written about one of the most challenging chapters of your life? I guess we'll start with where did you grow up? Where did you you to grow up in the first place, Gordon Vigiano? Uh, Clark, New Jersey. Clark, New Jersey, huh? Now, how on earth, as another East Coast boy. How on earth did you end up in Oregon? I was transferred a lot, but um, um, I was transferred by Seagram's in um, in 1980. I took a job out here, and Jill, can you help me out here? <laughs> as you could probably tell, language is really hard for Gordon um, as a result of our story. So, yeah, Gordon and I met in California, and on a total fluke, he happened to be in L.A. for the weekend, we happened to have a friend in common who happened to introduce us. And uh, we, it was a long-distance romance for about six months. And then we were, and then decided to get married. And now we've been married 25 years. 25 years. You don't look old enough to be married for 25 years. So congratulations on that. So now you're, you've met, you've married. And how was life for you, Gordon, and, and you, Jill, at this point? So our life, our life was, uh, it's a series of up and downs. Gordon is the entrepreneurial type. I am not. So uh, for me, for him, it was an anything can happen day, every day as an entrepreneur. And for me, it was a white knuckle ride. Uh, The ups and downs of entrepreneurship are tough for, for someone who's like me, who's not a risk taker, not a risk taker. But for him, who is a risk taker, he just loved it. I always get a big kick out of that. I think God's got a really good sense of humor, the way he puts some of us couples together. Because my wife, Pam, and I are just so incredibly opposite in the way we see things. And in one sense, I'll admit it can be really annoying at times. But in another sense, 
I know better now, 18 and a half years after being happily married, that if my wife's got a gut feeling about something or someone that I don't, there's probably a reason for it. You know, it's good to have someone who's the opposite side of your coin, the yin to your yang, so to speak. So I guess you kept each other grounded in that sense, no? Yes. uh, So with Gordon being such a risk taker and me not being, I, I was sort of the bedrock and he was, you know, he was the roller coaster rider. So it worked for us that where our common threads held us together is we both like to work hard. We both, you know, have strong faith. Uh, we both had strong family values. So, so the, the underlying strengths in our relationship really carried us. But the day to day, you know, kind of rocket ship to the moon experience, th- that was a little harder for me. <laughs> so, Gordon, did you enjoy? your career in business as a risk taker and as an entrepreneur. I loved it. It was, it was fantastic. What was some of the best experiences that you had? What, what made you really get a rush and a thrill out of what you did back in your business days? Anything nope. in particular? <laughs> Can't do it. Is, is there anything like you know, that? Creative, uh, creative thought for him is still really hard. I think what Gordon really enjoyed about entrepreneurship is making something out of nothing. You know, having an idea and believing in it and being willing to work on it hard enough to make it a reality. In his case, he started a, a company in California where he um, he started with him and his partner with a telephone and a folding table. And by the time they sold the company, they'd hired 150 people and created business and developed uh, real careers for people who might have otherwise never been able to have a career. That's fantastic. You know, there are dreamers and there are people who just kind of have to execute other people's plans. I am one of the latter. Obviously, uh, you, Gordon Vigiana, were one of the the former at this stage of your career, at least. So tell us about your book, Jill, and the inspiration for it. You can find out more information on Gordon and Jill Vigiano's story on the website, mybrainllc.com. That's mybrainllc.com, where you can also follow Gordon's blog, and learn about where the speaking engagements are coming up by clicking on the speaking tab. Again, that website is mybrainllc.com. And you could also see the book cover for Painful Blessing, a story of loss, recovery, hope, and faith written by you, Jill. Yes. What was the story you felt compelled to share with us? So seven years ago, actually next week will be our seven-year anniversary. Um, Gordon, kind of out of, well, absolutely out of nowhere, suffered a uh, spontaneous bilateral carotid artery dissection resulting in a massive stroke. Um, A a spontaneous bilateral carotid artery dissection is almost unheard of. It's it's one of those struck-by-lightning events that suddenly caused a perfectly healthy, no-risk-factor man to have many, many blood clots go up into his brain, and there was no reason for it to have happened. So this is extremely uncommon and virtually unheard of for this to occur, much less to a healthy man like yourself, right, Gordon? That's right. And, and it happened so quickly and and so it was so dramatic um, that you know every every part of our life changed. Our, our you know Gordon was had, it was his fifty first birthday. Uh, it we were in the middle of spring break. Everything was good. We had plans. You know, Gordon had started another new business uh, just as an independent consultant. Everything was going great. Things were really finally going our way. If, if things looked really good and then out of nowhere, he suffers a massive stroke. 
in nine hours, we went from everything is great to me having a frank discussion with an organ donation person up at a hospital. It happened that fast. So, um, so we have spent the last seven years now working on recovery. Uh, obviously, Gordon survived, <laughs> but uh, but it was it was very dramatic. He lost the right the use of the right side of his body, his ability to speak and organize his thoughts and his memory. So he was uh, basically a child again in many ways, and uh, and, and we already had two children at home. <laughs> you know, so how old were they at this stage? They Jill? were twelve and fourteen. So, uh, so we've spent the last seven years working on recovery. And so as we have gone through this process of recovery, being the one left standing, me being the one left standing, my husband is severely disabled. My kids are kind of freaking out. You know, every, everything in their life is now in question, uh, right down to, you know, where are we going to live? Everything was in question. And as the one left standing, it really, uh, it obviously changed every part of my life. And I ended up writing a book about the experience. So those first several hours must have been very critical for you when you, when you mentioned talking to the possibility of being an, an organ donor. Thankfully, that didn't have to happen. But th- I guess that showed the severity of how hard you were hit, Gordon. Uh, yes, it does. That must have been an incredibly trying period for you, Jill. You know, that was a, it was a moment where, and, and my daughter was sitting next to me when the organ donation, donation lady came to speak to me. And, you know, that moment where she looks at me with her big blue eyes and says, mom, what are you going to do? It's a terrible, terrible moment. Uh, but you know, you, you really have to think, well, what, what am I going to do? Am I going to say, take what you need, or am I going to say, leave him in a vegetative state? What was going to be my choice? These aren't the kind of conversations that we couples like to have, even though we really ought to. Young couples, old couples, any couples, the kind of thing my wife and I have avoided, and sorry about that, (laughs) but we'll work on that, and we'll also find out more about the story of Gordon and Jill Vigiano. The book is Painful Blessing, A Story of Loss, recovery, hope, and faith. But the story, thankfully, continues. We now have a successful author and an inspirational, motivational speaker in our studios right now to attest for that. More information is on their website, mybrainllc.com. That's mybrainllc.com. More with Gordon and Jill Vigiano next on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. You are listening to Difference Makers on True Talk 800 in the studio today. The author of Painful Blessing, A Story of Loss, Recovery, Hope, and Faith, Jill Krantz-Vigiano. And she is the wife of motivational and inspirational speaker, Gordon Vigiano. And Gordon, if there was one thing that your wife has shown you that's really been outstanding and impressive to you, what would that have been? What really stands out about Jill to you? Her ability to speak is just wonderful. <laughs> I can't say anything, but when I get caught, I say, Jill, can you answer that? And she answers it flawlessly. You know what? It, it's after all these years of marriage, it's like we can almost read the mind, so to speak, of our yes, spouses. Exactly. She's perfect at it. So that's a good thing. And you two look good together. You look very happy after all these years. And Jill, you were sharing about the book after Gordon had this massive stroke, which changed everything for your family. So let's go back to the point where 
in the early critical hours on Gordon's 51st birthday. This just hit him unexpectedly out of the blue, a very uncommon malady. And you and your daughter were sitting together in a hospital. And who came up to you and had to ask a, a question that was difficult? The organ donation lady came to speak to us. And she she said a, she said different things that were much more like implications, uh, implying that I will be the one that makes the decision if he lives or dies. And, and just to be ready to make those kinds of decisions should the time come, depending on how the surgery went as they tried to pull clots out of his brain. So this was so serious that they called her in to have a, a very difficult conversation with you, which, which to me just shows how extreme, Gordon, your medical condition was at this point. So did you, did you ever feel so alone in your entire life trying to be the rock for your daughter in particular at this moment? It, it's it's such an overwhelming experience, and of course, the first thing I wanted to do was you know, pray about it. But in the in the emergency room, in the surgery waiting room, there's so much chaos going on. There's no peace. So I I had asked if there was a room where I could go to pray. But then, so you go to this quiet kind of empty room. But then, the, the for me, the question was, what do I pray for? If I pray for him to survive, she's telling me that he's going to be in ve- he's very likely going to be in a vegetative state. Can do you pray for him to die? No way. I could never pray for him to die. So to pray for him to live was almost cruel, and to pray for him to die was something I couldn't do. So my my conclusion was just to put him in God's hands and ask God to do what was best for him. It's so a, tough to do, isn't it? It was so terrible, I can hardly even talk about it. In fact, I don't know if I ever have talked about it until this moment, because it's it's so overwhelming and so painful. But, you know, thank the good Lord I have the good Lord to turn to. If I had, If I had not, how could I have faced such a terrible, terrible moment? Sure. So let's backtrack a little. You, you talk about your faith in the Lord, Jill and Gordon. Did you grow up in Christian families? When did that begin for you as individuals? When did you own your own faith? I had the good fortune of being raised by Iowa farm family. My dad was an Iowa farmer. We always went to church. Church was very much you know, in the Bible belt. You know, as farmers, your entire life is dependent on you know, the weather and things out of your control. So people are very faith-filled because their entire livelihood depends on that. So, but I, I'd probably say I really owned my own faith probably about age 15. And what was the critical moment in that for you? What changed the game, Jill? I had this experience where I had a dream in the middle, in it, I was asleep and I had a dream and I was walking through a park that I remembered from my childhood and I could remember seeing all the brown oak leaves on the ground and there was a little stream running down the hill and I looked up and I saw Jesus on poking a stick, standing very casually, jeans, t-shirt, with a stick, kind of just fiddling around in the water. And he didn't say anything and he didn't say his name, but I knew it was him. And I looked at him and he didn't say anything, but he looked at me and he kind of gave me the, the head bob to follow him. And I, I started following him up t- toward where he was, up by the stream, and I woke up. And it was it was a moment. 
it was just a moment, but it changed everything for me. Wow. I, I, it was, it was like Jesus came to me in person and just, just said without even words, just with the nod of his head, follow me, come with me. And I said, yes. And that was it. That's amazing. That really is. How about you, Gordon? Did you grow up in a family that was Christian or going to church a lot? No. Um, (laughs) I went to church, but I went with my neighbors because my mother and father didn't want to go. And I I was a Catholic, and I um, went to Holy Communion and everything. And then I stopped going until I met Jill. And uh, she turned me around. That's a good reason to go. So at this point, let me think. You had met... uh, by chance, out in California, because you had a common friend. And how soon did you know that Jill was special, Gordon? Did you know immediately that, did she just knock your socks off or what? Actually, the first time I met her, I knew, believe it or not. I said, are you Jane? And she said, I'm Jill. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Jill? Did you feel the same way when you had first met Gordon out in California? I'd really like to say yes, but no. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, he was so special, but I really, I really wasn't looking for a long distance relationship. Um, but he, he was, he was so vibrant and full of life and full of humor and fun. And, and he was exactly my kind of person and very, you know, as an entrepreneur, usually entrepreneurs are quite aggressive, very aggressive in in how he meets people and how he did everything. And it's like, that really spoke to me, but it took me a couple of months. So as an, growing up as an Iowa farm girl, Jill, he really stood out and, and seized your attention, it seems. He did. He did. I, at this point, I was living in Los Angeles with my dear friend, Jane, who he thought I was, but you know, um, you know, I, I, I hardworking, honest, vibrant people really, really spoke to me. So so when he walked in the door, I thought, now there's someone I would really like to get to know. So you got married. You had a boy. You had a girl. You were successful. And all of a sudden, the stroke. Up until then, how was life going for you as a businessman, as a mom, as just parents of kids trying to raise them in God's ways and to be productive human beings? How were things up until this point? It, things were – things had – you know, the like I was saying, the life of an entrepreneur is never easy. But things were really going our way. We had like two or three years where Gordon's new consulting practice was going great. I had just the honor and privilege of being a stay-at-home mom, and I loved it. I just loved it. I loved being a part of all the volunteer stuff at school and at church and in the community, and I loved being home with the kids. When they came home from school, I just loved every part of it. So I'd have to say things were pretty great. Pretty much the American dream. It was. And that stereotype that all of us want to envision ourselves in, with a little white picket fence. You got it. Maybe we didn't dog. actually have a fence, but we should have <laughs> because really it was, it was, to me, the American dream. So then the stroke came and tough decisions came forward. So after this time in the hospital – with your daughter beside you when the organ donor lady came by. You'd mentioned it was some of the the toughest parts of your lives at this stage. Did anyone stand out and really step up and be there for you? We have the wonderful story of having an incredible outpouring of love and help uh, that came for us. 
our our entire community really banded together to help us. They did wonderful things. A good friend of mine coordinated all all sorts of meals. People brought us food for three months after Gordon came home from the hospital so that I didn't have to worry about cooking dinner. Your people were really great about, oh, can I take your son to soccer practice? Can I, you know, things like that. And uh, people paid a housekeeper to come and clean our house every few weeks for months because, you know, Gordon needed, so, when Gordon came home from the hospital, he needed 100% attention. He was in a wheelchair. He couldn't say any words. He couldn't remember anything. He was very impulsive, which is really common with brain injury. Um, so our our community just did amazing things for us. I I, I wouldn't say just one person. We really just uh, just an outpouring of love, and uh, it was incredible. And as a couple that was so involved in the community before this point, was it tough to receive such help, or was it easy to just let your guard down and say, you know what, we're desperate. We'll take whatever you got. I'll go with the second one. We were so desperate, and I needed help so much, and I was so blessed to have people who said, I will coordinate meals for you. What would you like? So I didn't have to say, can you do this for me? People just stepped up and said what they could do, and they did it. And so we we were extremely fortunate to have an amazing outpouring of support. It's incredible how much your life can witness to someone in need just by the little things, uh, dropping off a meal, a phone call, mowing someone's lawn or picking up a bag of groceries. So so you might feel, friends, that you don't have opportunities to share Christ's love with the community, but I'll argue you probably do. Or maybe it's just knocking at the widow's door across the street saying, hey, how's it going? Or do you want to come over for a cup of tea with the family? Or, or there's another seat at the dinner table if you'd like to join us. The opportunities are there for us to to love and to be loved by. The book is Painful Blessing, A Story of Loss, Recovery, Hope, and Faith. It's written by Jill Krantz Vigiana, the wife of Gordon Vigiana. They are our two guests today. And you can find Gordon on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Gordon Vigiano, last name is spelled V-I-G-G-I-A-N-O. He's also on Twitter. And you can find out more about future speaking engagements and Gordon's blog by going to their website mybrainllc.com. That's mybrainllc.com. Find out more about not only Gordon's blog, but other speaking engagements that they'll be coming to. They've already spoken at several Christian Chamber of the Northwest events and have inspired people's socks off. So keep up the good work, because sometimes we do need to take pause and stop thinking about ourselves and hear a good testimony. More with Gordon and Jill Vigiano next on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Welcome back to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. If you go to the website, mybrainllc.com, you can find out all about the living testimony of Jill Krantz Vigiano and Gordon Vigiano, her husband, who was a successful sales executive, consultant, and entrepreneur when a near-fatal stroke dramatically changed the family's lives. And Gordon now inspires his audience and brings hope to those of us who have faced or who are facing or will face dramatic challenges going on in our lives. In fact, Jill tells the story of this devastating loss and the hope that comes from her faith and finding joy in their new life, in this new normal, and the decision to embrace the task as both a team sport and a lifetime endeavor. 
Did I read that well? You did. <laughs> Practice <laughs> that out. So, Jill, uh, you shared about the story of Gordon's stroke and how God has used this life change to bring you closer together and to change things permanently, but at the same time, in a good way. So tell us about the new normal and how things have changed for you specifically for your kids. You have a, a son and a daughter. We have a son and a daughter. Our daughter was 14 and our son was 12 when the stroke occurred. So you know, tough ages anyway. Um, they've, and they've each responded differently. Our daughter, Rachel, was always, you know, daddy's little girl, always daddy's little girl. And when this happened, she was unwilling to give that up, which was the best thing I could have asked for. She was really in it with him and would sit with him and spend time with him. And and even though he wasn't necessarily able to respond, he wasn't able to respond normally. Um, she So one of the things that the, in the first month or two when he was home from the hospital, Gordon was in a wheelchair and we would she would you know, roll dad outside onto the driveway. So we'd bring daddy out into the driveway and she'd stick a badminton racket in his hand and start hitting things at him, hoping that he would respond and play back. And he loved it and she loved it. And we laughed and we had a good time. Our son was 12, a seventh grader. Uh, for him, it was a little harder. I think for him, it was uh, very scary. And it was, you know, Gordon became very, uh, unpredictable, you know, and which I have learned since learned is very common with brain injury. You know, he could wild mood swings, uh, kind of erratic behavior. And our son, Tom, did not like that, that he did not respond well to that. So he he tended to really stay away um, and and stick a little closer to me. So I think it's been um, it's been hard on both of them, but you know they're both now nineteen. You know, my daughter's twenty one, and our son is nineteen, and you know they continue on through life. But uh, I'm sure this has impacted their lives, and in ways that we probably still don't even know. I always say I'll know in about twenty years how this really <laughs> affected them. But you know I'm optimistic. I think they see the world differently. I think they've been through a lot. How they take it and run with it, I think, is yet to be seen. So, Gordon, tell us about your relationship. What are you most proud about when it comes to your son and your relationship with him? That's a difficult question. Um, I'm proud of him that he's he's in the ROTC in at Oregon State. I'm proud of everything he's doing. He, um, but he's at the point in his life where his dad is not a cool guy. <laughs> I figure maybe by the time he's 24, I'll become cool again. Yeah, I hope that happens in my house too. <laughs> uh, I, I remember my daughter just dreading some of some of my little catchphrases. Dad, oh, yeah. could you please please not embarrass us by saying that out loud, please? <laughs> That's where know. we are now. Maybe that maybe that'll never change. And are are you still especially tight with your daughter? Your wife Jill had mentioned that she was always daddy's girl, and she was not going to let a simple stroke steal that from her. She's the best. She's wonderful. Can't say enough good things about her. Do you think there's something special about the father's relationship with the daughter and the mother's relationship with the son? Do you think that's kind of intrinsic in how we're wired? It seems like it. You hear it You hear it a lot, and, and it was that way from birth. I mean, it wasn't like they sort of became that way. She was always daddy's little girl, and my son was always wanting to be with me. So I, I think there is something to it. 
are there occasions where you kind of get jealous of your same sex offspring? Yeah, like, there, I, I, there are times are not my wife Pam just kind of gets annoyed if, if Hannah and I are, are are up like joking at night. We come to bed already. Stop. He's like, you, you let your dad alone. <laughs> At least they're close. You know, that's the most important thing, regardless of which parent they pick at the time. At you know, least they're close. These these are good problems to have. It seems like they've grown up nicely. Do you think they had to grow up a little early because of the stroke? Did, did that really change things a lot? Yeah, definitely, yes. Yeah, it's – they're in an environment where there are a lot of privileged kids. Not everybody, but there's a lot of privileged kids. And to, you know – I think it's to hear people who have relatively small problems complaining about their, you know, oh, I didn't get the car I wanted or I didn't get the boots that I wanted. I think that was hard for our kids because they were dealing with such big life issues to hear small complaints or you know, relatively unimportant complaints. I think that was really hard for them. And I think it probably still is. I know it's hard for me. So th- Their perspective on life probably grew up at a very young age relative to their peers. I, th- I think so. And th- they do know people, and we do know people who have been through even worse. I mean, and so they aren't alone in it, but I still think it's a lonely place to be, sure, to, have, because- to have that those kind of challenges at that age with very, very few people being able to really understand. But the neat thing is, as uncommon as this has been, you've grown and you've grown together and you have created a new normal. And yeah. and it's good. It's wonderful. So, Jill, tell us about coming out of working in commercial real estate and then becoming a full-time mom. Did you have any caregiving aspects about you which could have maybe not so much prepared you for Gordon Stroke as much as equipped you to be able to take that role? It's funny. I I think back when I was, you know, in college and just graduating from college and, you know, people were getting, you know, friends were getting married. A lot of people get married about that time. And I remember I lost my father when I was 19. So I was kind of on my own since I was 19. My mother remarried and left the country. So when I graduated from college, my father had passed away, and my mother lived in Indonesia. So I was pretty much on my own, and I knew that I was never going to be willing to get married until I knew that I was capable and competent in the world so that if anything happened, I knew I would be able to grab the reins and still move you know, move the wagon forward. So... Uh, and I think I thought about that philosophically, not really thinking I would ever have to. But I I worked for a long time, and I wasn't really willing to get married until I felt like I was really good at my job. So I got married when I was 30 uh, because I felt like it took all those years to really be good at what I did. And then I was ready because so I knew whatever came, whatever happened, I knew I was competent in the workplace. And then sure enough, this happened. <laughs> So, so was this fierce, independent spirit that Jill has something that you found attractive, Gordon, when you first met her? Yes. <laughs> it's wonderful. Especially going against your entrepreneurial spirit. You needed to have a bit of a balance between your personalities, I would think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think because I was, I was you know, 
can put my head down, get the job done. My career and my income stream was somewhat uh, uh, stable, whereas an entrepreneur's work life and income stream, not particularly stable, especially not in the early years. So I think we were a really good complement that way. Yeah, I was in debt when we met. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It's the dreamers. It's the entrepreneurial spirited people that tend to make the more over the long haul. So at the stage of your stroke, were you good savers? Were you able to to get by financially for a season? Because at this stage, everything would completely change for you, at least work-wise. Right, Gordon? Yeah. When I had my stroke, I was was just – I was um, talking to my disability agent because I thought I could get more disability income if if it ever happened while I needed it. So I I talked to him and he said, you know, it'll be a couple thousand dollars. So I said, well, let's just wait till after I file my taxes so I can figure out how much I can give you. So he said, okay. So that was March 26th when I had my stroke. So So, yeah, financially – Anything like this is a is a horrible hit. But fortunately, Gordon years before had had purchased disability insurance, and I I am I call myself a disability insurance evangelist because it really kept us solvent so that I could stay home and take care of him. I always say we're a we are a success story and a cautionary tale at the same time. So he was about to buy more disability insurance, but he was waiting to file his taxes, and in that week was when he had his stroke. So we, we we didn't have lots of coverage, but we had enough. It's part of our faith story, really. Um, we had enough disability insurance from years and years and years ago that we'd been paying for so that when Gordon had his stroke and we live on disability insurance payments, it exactly matches our bills. There's no extra. We're not deficit. We are exactly how much money we need so that I could stay home with him take care of him, and we could still pay our bills. So I call it part of our faith story because, you know, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we ask for our daily bread. It isn't like, I would like a month's worth of bread. It's <laughs> it's today's bread, and that's really what we have. We have enough money for today, and there's no extra, but it allows me to be with him, take care of him, work on his recovery, and still pay the bills. So do you think that was a bit of a, an obstacle or a faith builder in your kids? I think someday it'll be a faith builder, but I think going through the pain and suffering of it all, I think, uh, I don't think they can see it like that yet. But I think eventually one day when they tell their children their story, I think they will say it was an amazing faith story. Gordon Vigiano and Jill Krantz Vigiano are our happily married couple here in the studio. Jill has written a book about Gordon's recovery from a surprise massive stroke. It's called Painful Blessing, A Story of Loss, Recovery, Hope, and Faith. It's a story about overcoming. It's a story about God getting you through extreme circumstances. And you can find out more. Gordon is on Facebook at Gordon Vigiano, also on LinkedIn. He tweets at Gordon Vigiano. And you can find more about the book at the website, mybrainllc.com. That's mybrainllc.com. More with Gordon and Jill Vigiano next on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Thank you so much for joining us today on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. 
On Gordon Vigiano's 51st birthday, he suffered a massive stroke and everything changed. His wife, Jill Krantz Vigiano, wrote about it in her book, Painful Blessing, A Story of Loss, Recovery, Hope, and Faith. And as a result of the massive life change that God has seen the Vigiato family through, Gordon has switched gears, going from being an entrepreneur and a businessman to a motivational and an inspirational speaker. He's been uh, at several different Christian Chamber of Commerce of the Northwest events, and their story is a good one. You have to check out his presentation, My Brain Has a Hole in It, and find out more about future speaking engagements by clicking on the speaking tab at their website, mybrainllc.com. Hopefully I got all of that right, Gordon and Jill. Yep. So, Gordon, do you enjoy getting in front of people and sharing your story? What drives you and motivates you to go through some painful moments and relive them to share a bigger story? What motivates me is um, I always see... Can't. <laughs> Again, language is still very hard for him. After we'd been through something so awful, you know, Gordon always, Mr. Optimist, it's just amazing how optimistic he's always been. And he never lost that, which has been a huge blessing for us. We wanted something to come good out of what had happened. So when, we, when the stroke first happened and we had no idea what we were up against, we thought he would be fully recovered in a year. And we thought, we'll have a party for all our friends who were so supportive of us in a year, and we'll talk about what a terrible year it was, but that it's over and now we can move forward. Well, the year rolls around and Gordon was still in very bad shape. So we thought, well, okay, in two years, we'll have the party and we'll talk about what a terrible two years it's been, but it's over now and we're fully recovered and everything's going to be okay. So two years rolls around and Gordon's still in pretty bad shape. So then we thought, well, how about it three years? So three years rolls around, and then we thought, you know, maybe we should just have the party anyway. And, uh, and so but Gordon said, okay, but he said, I want to talk about what happened. So we spent six months putting together that speech. My brain has a hole in it. And, but the problem was, at, we, after, we'd, after I had written it, and we had some help with it, but we got it all written, he, could, he still couldn't speak. But the one thing he wanted to do was talk about it, the one thing he could not do. So he spent eight months every single day practicing that speech. And at the four-year mark, just a little after the four-year mark, we had the party and he gave the speech. And about 80 people came, just, you know, friends, neighbors, and, and he gave the speech and people were so moved by it. They said, you've got to tell more people. And that's how our speaking careers really got started. It, it just began out of his incredible optimism and his desire to share with what it, share what had happened. So how has it been since that party? That must have been the longest eight months of your life, basically <laughs> relearning how to speak, having this message in your head and wanting to convey it, but having difficulty going back to a speaking level in the first place. Yeah, I didn't realize I had difficulty speaking. I just thought I was doing great. So I, after I, I did it, I thought, said to Jill, how does this sound? She said, well, record yourself. So I put my recorder on, and I played it back, and I was just flat. So uh, I started taping myself again and again and again until I was able to have more inflection and, and pauses and things like that. 
even for the pause, I have put pause in, or if I if I don't remember to pause, so. I think you're doing fantastically. In fact, as another East Coast, you just sound like a Jersey boy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Isn't that funny? He lost his speech, but when it came back, he still has the New Jersey accent. You never quite lose New Jersey. (laughs) No. But it's okay. Who do the two of you like speaking to most? Are there any particular groups that that you really feel like the Lord's put on your heart that I need to touch that person and encourage him or her? We speak to a lot of different kinds of audiences, and one of my very favorites is people who are in the medical community, nurses, doctors, therapists. What we get, the the comments we get back from them overwhelmingly is that they never get to find out what happens to their patients. You know, as we move through the medical experience, you know, you might be in the emergency room, then you might be in intensive care, and then you might go to regular hospital, then you might go to the rehab hospital, and then you're discharged. And unless you have a reason to go back, which Gordon didn't because he was a healthy guy, they never know what happens to their patients. So we come and we give the full story, what, what came before the event and what has come after. And for them, it's this hugely gratifying moment, one that they can see that what they did matters and that there's always hope for a patient. We had one nurse early on in our speaking career who came up to us after the speech and she was crying and she said, if I had seen your brain scan, I would have given you no hope. And so it's it's a wonderful thing to be able to give back to them, help them see why they do what they do and what real success can look like. Now, Gordon, it will be a lifetime of recovery. We will work on recovery for the rest of our lives. But he has already pushed so far past what was expected. We bring a lot of hope and encouragement to them because they work on this every day and they have no idea what happens. That's got to be a tough career. I've got relatives who are in the medical field. And I think about, uh, in particular, we had really great difficulty getting pregnant. And some of our kids, when they were first born, went through some extreme situations. So perhaps we need to be more diligent of thanking the people who helped us out over the years and not just move on and think, oh, how how lucky we are or how blessed we were to have them, but maybe go back and, I don't know, send a, a note or a box of donuts or something like that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Just thank them all. You know, it's real difficult for us to remember things like that. So thank you for the reminder, Jill and Gordon Vigiano. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about not your past, not about your new present, but what you're looking forward to in the future? What can you envision God bringing you? What are your goals? Why do you look forward to waking up the morning and thanking God for the net, for this gift? How about you, Jill? I I tend to look at the future as a just a big blue sky. I I don't have huge plans. God has taken me out of every plan I've ever made, so I'm I'm a little hesitant to keep making them. But I am really open. I, you know, my response to most things is yes, because I don't know what God has for me. But I know I want to be open to it. I want to be open to the opportunities, to the chances to talk to people, meet people, whatever comes my way. I want my answer to be yes and to, and to be able to share and to experience things. So I, I'm, I'm just open. I, I wish I could give you a better answer. <laughs> it's really quite all right. I think that you two are a walking miracle and evidence of God's providence and the fact that he loves us and that he protects us and he cares for it, even if it's not the way we would have chosen it. There's a Cutlass song about that, even yes. if 
Anyway, if there were anyone out there who's going through tough times right now, who doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, who doesn't feel like God's hearing prayers right now, what could you share with them to encourage them? I always tell my audiences that Gordon's is a story of recovery. Mine is a story of surrender. And as before I really got to that point of really understanding and just really surrendering to God's will, I kept trying to have things go my way. I wanted certain things to happen, and it just wasn't going to go that way. And when I finally accepted that it was in God's control and not mine, not only did it free me of that burden of thinking I was in control, it gave me the opportunity to see the blessings. So I really encourage people to say, it may not be my way, but it's going to be God's way. Thank you so much, Gordon and Jill Vigiano, for joining us. The website is mybrainllc.com, which includes Gordon's blog and a schedule of future speaking engagements if you click on the Speaking tab. And it also has information on Jill's book, Painful Blessing, A Story of Loss, Recovery, Hope, and Faith. So, Gordon, Jill, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your ongoing testimony with our listeners right here on Difference Makers on True Talk 800.